0: Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I'm Ben Flanagan. Thanks for coming back for round two of this new podcast about pro wrestling discussed among fans in the deep south. Today we're going to talk about parenting a little bit and whether or not we should let our kids watch pro wrestling at a young age. I watched pro wrestling at a young age, as did so many of those guys that you heard in our first episode where we grew up understanding the nature of the good and evil storylines and having a separation of what was real and what was fake. It's not that obvious for some kids and parents are worried and anxious about whether or not the kids might copycat some of the violence and whether or not they'll understand those respective storylines. We'll talk to University Recreation Executive Director George Brown from the University of Alabama about why he lets his youngest son watch wrestling. George is a huge fan of wrestling, grew up watching wrestling in Memphis, Tennessee, so he has a special understanding of the business and it has carried into his adulthood and now his fatherhood. But first, we want to focus on this Titus O'Neil situation that you've probably heard about. As you know, the former tag team champion is currently serving a 60-day suspension related to an incident that occurred during the retirement and career celebration for Daniel Bryan a couple of weeks ago on Raw. This suspension will actually carry over into WrestleMania, causing this superstar who was getting a singles push recently to miss WrestleMania. Our friends Ben Stark and Will Nevin will break down what exactly happened to earn Titus the suspension and sort of the long-term ramifications for the WWE and Titus's career. After that, I'm going to play my interview that I did with Titus in 2015 where we talked about tag teams, SEC football, as he used to play for Steve Spurrier and the Florida Gators many years ago. And we also talk about fatherhood, as he was awarded Celebrity Dad of the Year in 2015, which happens to coincide with this parenting discussion and whether or not we want to let our kids watch pro wrestling. So right now, I'll toss it to Ben Stark and Will Nevin.
1: This is Ben Stark. I'm here with Will Nevin. We're going to talk a little bit about a guy that Ben Flanagan was uh, lucky enough to talk to last year, I think. Uh, on the phone um WWE superstar Titus O'Neil who is embroiled in uh, heavy controversy right now and it's it, it's taking on taken on kind of a JFK conspiracy level of uh, of intrigue uh, in, in a lot of circles um I guess I mean try to help me understand can you explain to me what what happened in your own words
2: well, uh, let's put this into context a little bit. So, Titus is um, a guy that's lower on the card. He is not really all that notable. I mean, he's just kind of, as far as wrestling goes, he's one of those guys that's, that's a famous for being famous kind of level wrestler. I mean, he's been around probably his most successful run in the primetime players, a you know, a tag team that yeah, you know, everybody seemed to kinda like but no one seems to care or notice when they're there. So um he's been getting kind of some renewed time on television lately uh for kind of his charity work and because he's one of the few actual positive portrayals of uh, of an African American character on WWE television. So that's kind of his basic setup. So after Raw last week, um, after the big emotional Daniel Bryan farewell ceremony, after they have already moved off of USA network, after they've gone to WWE Network, the very closing minutes of the ceremony, and we have this strange interaction between Titus and WWE CEO Vince McMahon. And you're you know, you're right, it's this weird kind of thing that we're all analyzing at you know, Zapruder-level kind of scrutiny. But Titus touches Vince's arm or grabs Vince's arm. Vince looks like he's smiling, looks like he's kind of surprised and taken aback, and pushes Titus in response. And, you know, fans, I think we're watching watching it Monday night on WWE Network, and it's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then we get this news a couple of days later that Titus is suspended for ninety days for unprofessional conduct and then it's rolled back to sixty days and that's it as far as the news goes. Uh Titus has publicly apologized and I think as far as WWE is concerned the matter's over, but my God, I mean, this is coming at a time where, again, he's not high up on the card. Uh we are right before Fast Lane. You know, we still have, you know, you know, basically, two months to go until WrestleMania. Um, there is almost no news in the wrestling world to report. So uh, <laughs> this weird interaction and its kind of window into Vince's psyche and WWE inner machinations, it becomes news. And so we're kind of left trying to puzzle exactly why, you know, this guy who by all accounts is a is a good corporate citizen is. You know, affable. Again, he's doing this charity work. I think his last thing was he got, like, 50 kids tickets for, uh, I think, a SmackDown or something like that, 30 or or 50. Like, he, yeah, by all public accounts, he is a nice, charitable guy. And yet they have just, in essence, screwed him out of a WrestleMania payday just for this weird interaction.
1: Yeah, that seems to be that that seems to be the the most um kind of damaging thing to me. Uh, it seems like that look, if I did this at my job, you know, if if let's say, you know, we're at a charity event or something like that and I and it was over and I kind of horseplayed played with my boss at the wrong time, if I, if I had that relationship with my boss, I, I would not expect to be suspended for a period of time and, and then also, you know, kept from making the most amount of money that I can make on a single night uh throughout the entire year, um, I would expect a, you know, a private conversation that says, look, if you think about this, you you probably could also admit that this was a bad idea and you shouldn't have acted this way. Do you agree? And I would say yes and it would be a slap on the wrist or, or some something. I mean, but uh but to make it this public and it was weird because it seemed like I think there was a article on WWE.com whenever they I don't know if it was when they rolled back the suspension to sixty days. But there was something where WWE actually shared like a kind of desperate-sounding, apologetic text from from him, where from Titus, where it said, he said he sent somebody a text that said something like "I feel like shit" or something like that, and it's like, wow, so you're like really going out of your way to to kind of air dirty laundry um and, and really make him look not just like a fool for for making the mistake to begin with, but also for I mean he's, they're really making him eat it um, and it's just its so, so weird and I think it's interesting what you said it's an interesting look at the way that Vince McMahon does business uh, and the way that WWE exists as this this strange um, intersection between modern global conglomerate entertainment uh, corporation and Carney Sideshow you know where People are humiliated and, uh, you know, the boss has to look like the alpha dog.
2: The humiliation is a really interesting thing to think about. I don't know if you remember the Stone Cold uh, Vince McMahon podcast on the network. I guess that was, you know, three or four months ago, whenever that was. And Vince talked about how much fun he had pushing people into swimming pools.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And, And that's, you know, that's a real insight into Vince's mind. But it it kind of paints this environment of, you know, horseplay and just kind of goofing off. And, you know, you can imagine kind of a locker room. Uh, well, yeah, I can't, not having ever participated in any athletic uh, activities outside of kindergarten baseball. Um, but you can imagine how, you know, it's not the strictest of environments. And then so you have this kind of locker room, you know, type environment, and then you have a guy who is aging out of that type of horse play. I mean, Vince McMahon is 70 years old. So I think that has to factor into it too. Uh, You know, he just had this recent run on television where he's, he's pretending like, you know, he's the, the Vince McMahon of Austin, McMahon that he can still uh, move and take bonds. And he's, he's mentally walk around. Yeah.
1: Walk around with sleeveless shirts on.
2: Yeah. And mentally as sharp as he ever was. But, I think we can we can agree that in this last kind of run, this interaction with Roman Reigns, he's, he's lost a step, like mentally and physically. It just doesn't look as sharp as it was. So I think part of this, too, is McMahon coming to terms with his own, you know, um, why do I want to say morality when talking about uh, Vince McMahon? Mortality, there's the word. And I think of all people, he is very uncomfortable with that idea. So I think that has a part to play in this. I think uh, Titus's place on the card has a part to play in this. I mean, in my deepest, fondest of dreams, this was Roman Reigns and he was suspended. He <laughs> missed and he missed, Re- and he missed Re- WrestleMania. You know, I think if it's almost anybody else, uh, just a, a scooch higher on the card, I think. You're right. They they take the guy backstage, they talk about this and nobody ever hears anything else about it.
1: But well, but it's it's so confusing because like you said he was in the middle of this this kind of renewed push and he gets these pushes every now and then and it's it's so weird that it, he seems like um, by all accounts he seemed like one of kind of Vince's guys and he seemed like a guy that everybody liked and and they were willing to put, you know, put some spotlight on him every now and then. I mean, he's not He's not going to get a intercontinental title run anytime soon, but it, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities if they gave him a three-month push and, and, and really put him in that spot. So it, it's weird. It doesn't seem like you know. It's, I feel like it's it's different to say that it was. You know, I agree that he's not Roman Reigns, but he's also not Damian Sandow. You know, and Aww. I, I, oh, Aww. Um, which hurts me. It hurts me to say that, um, but. <laughs> Uh, uh, but uh, you see what I'm saying is yeah. that he's a guy that that it, it seems like it, on the right day that they're they're really high on uh, and for this to for this to happen. But also, even even if that wasn't the case, like you said, the charity that he does, the 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 football notoriety that he has outside of the ring. You know, he won the Celebrity Dad of the Year or something like that last year. Uh, yeah, one of their there,
2: invented awards.
1: Right. It, what, there's all this stuff that that's just, he's just this good PR guy. And when you've got a good PR guy, why would you mar it with this public? You know, why would you literally take that away from him? Uh, and because, I mean, any outsider looking at this, I think will will see the company as the bad guy uh, rather than rather than Titus here. So it's, it's just a really weird thing. And I'm just – again, I feel like it's a really good – Picture of how the company does business now, because there was a day and age where had this happened, it would be an angle tonight on TV, and I feel like it still could be. I, I let me fantasy book for a second. Imagine, imagine this being kind of like a work shoot kind of thing where Titus comes out and apologizes, Vince comes out, and, and they make it a big public thing, and they work into a storyline, and Titus becomes the latest victim of the authority. And he, you know, he helps out Roman Reigns in a tag match or something like that. And then, boom, you've instantly got another good guy that you can, you know, have in the upper mid card. Um, And I would, in in my world, his new finishing maneuver would be a wrist lock.
2: (laughs) And he would just, I
1: mean, people would just writhe in agony and immediately tap as soon as you put him into it. Um, And then you build up the tension of what, what happens when he gets Vince in that wrist lock and you get a Vince versus Titus O'Neil WrestleMania match that people are going to tune in to see.
2: <laughs> oh, that, thats I think that's the best fantasy book you've ever heard in a long time.
1: It
3: writes but itself.
2: But c- it certainly um, anything with WWE is possible. I mean, I guess they could contort this into an angle, but by all accounts, you know, this is
1: but one. do you agree that there's there was a time when they kind of would have? I mean, maybe that was like the Vince Russo era or something like that. But it just or but they did it with um, um, Matt Hardy and Edge and Oh, Lita. oh yeah. You know they they're not beyond that, and I feel like that's it's wrestling. You know that's that's the best possible thing is you you ring money out of whatever you can come up with, and when you get this kind of media attention for something, no matter how embarrassing it is, why not? you know, see how you can parlay that into ratings.
2: Well, if you want to take this to the real outlaw days, I mean, I'm sure there would have been some era where, you know, Triple H would have just taken a poop in Titus's bag, and that would have been it. But, um,
4: Orton yeah. Style. yeah.
2: You, you know, going back to your earlier point of really what good to the company is Titus. Uh, I mean, he's a good, you know, public face Uh, he is a good uh, minority employee in the company where they have not had a good stretch of, you know, writing good minority characters and they are throwing a lot of this away and, you know, maybe he could still do this this PR type stuff when he's off television and I I guess he would be doing it out of the charity of his own heart um, and not getting paid. I mean, I, I guess by all accounts this is an unpaid suspension, but it's just i think the only thing you really can say from this is just strange, absolutely strange.
1: Exactly. I agree and uh it's i think even stranger is that we're still surprised. We're still surprised when WWE does really weird bizarre things. Dictators well, often do. Wow, yeah. Well, I mean if there's all there's almost a whole I feel like the Vince the, the Vince mortality um thing that you um that you mentioned uh is probably a conversation for another day but I definitely think that there there's a good case to be made that the the company is changing uh and and a little bit of it, of it is changing in a way to protect what he feels like he might be losing. Uh and there's always Shakespearean uh elements to bring in when you talk about Vince McMahon uh and that might be one that we need to talk about in the future.
2: Absolutely agree. Couldn't have said it
1: better. Alright, thanks Will anytime
5: the Combined of pounds, and Titus the
0: prime time player. First of all,
4: congratulations on the tag title belt. That's huge. That's amazing. I can only imagine what the feeling was like to pin Xavier and win the belt.
5: Yes, it was awesome. Uh, still very, you know, elated to, uh, to do it uh, for many reasons, but mostly, you know, they have the old cliche that hard work pays off, and we've been working extremely hard to have this opportunity to be champions in this company, and uh, to be—and I couldn't, you know, have a better partner to do it with than Darren. So it's—it's uh, it's, it's definitely a, an honor. Well, you guys are part of such a rich
4: history now, this lineage of tag team champions. That the, the big question for me is: who, who is your personal favorite tag team of all time?
5: Uh. I have two. Uh, it'll be the New Age outlaws uh, and, as well as the Rock and Sock connection. Uh, and mainly uh, because of the entertainment value that both of those, those teams brought to the, to the table. and that's what people remember them by. You know Of course, they were phenomenal athletes and great wrestlers. Uh, but they just had a, a charisma and an energy. Uh, unlike any other tag team on the roster at the time that they were doing it, and, and it made it very entertaining television, and it made it uh, for very good storytelling, and, and that's what we're we're in the storytelling business and the entertainment business. So uh, that's what I like to try to have me and uh, that's what me and Darren pride ourselves in doing: being the roughest, toughest, but also being the most entertaining tag team on, on the roster.
4: Well, I, I assume that those two teams were big influences, I mean, my next question was going to be, are, are the primetime players influenced by any particular team from the past? I would, I would assume those two. Are there any others?
5: Yeah, definitely. APA, you know, Ron Simmons and JBL. Um, we like to try to take stuff from different eras um, and try to implement a little bit here and there and sprinkle a little bit of this and that. Arne Anderson. You know, obviously, you know, still with the company, and and he helps us out a lot. You know, Finley helps us out a lot. Uh, So we just try to pull kind of from from, uh, different guys that have been very successful in tag team wrestling that are still with the company, but as well kind of go out on our own and look at and see, hey, let's try this and let's try that and and do things that fit the character of what we're trying to uh, get across on a consistent basis. Sure, sure. sure. So
4: getting away from wrestling
5: for just a second,
4: SEC football is huge for our audience on uh, AL.com, Birmingham News, obviously mostly Alabama and Auburn, but plenty of people down here. They've got respect and maybe some other feelings for the Gators. The the, the SEC is kind of a different beast today, but Florida football was still a huge deal when you played there. Are you keeping up with the Gators these days? Do you like Um, what's happening in
5: Gainesville? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm actually uh, doing the SEC takeover uh, July the 2nd, uh, taking over the SEC network tech. Uh, you know, there were 14 schools in the conference, and sure. each school picked uh, a, a representative to represent them. I think, uh, I'm trying, I forget who. Oh, Mark Ingram is, is uh, Alabama's representative. So uh, we basically control all the programming, what goes on the SEC network for the day. Uh, for 24 hours and uh, kind of make it our own alma mater. But, yeah, I'm very, very uh, closely tied to my university. Um, I speak to all the coaches uh, on a regular and consistent basis. Uh, I like all sports. Uh, I take my my children, my two sons, up to a lot of the games, whether it be baseball, soccer, basketball, or whatever. Whatever I have time to go and watch. And so, uh, like you say, SEC football, uh, the SEC conference period in sports is, in my opinion, the most dominant conference in all of sports, uh, if you look at it as a whole. And, uh, I'm, you know, i obviously always grateful to be a Gator, but I would, I would coach at any SEC school, uh, given the opportunity. Uh, great money and, and great tradition at all of them, all the schools. So who do you see winning the SEC this year? Florida. Why, why would I see anybody else really?
4: <laughs> Hey, makes sense. Makes sense totally. So blending the two, how does the WWE universe – Compare to what you experienced with Florida and SEC fans.
5: Uh, it's close, but it's uh, at a, a about it's probably about a hundred times stronger. You know, with uh, WWE because we have such a broad reach. I think we're broadcasting in over 170 countries and translated in 35 different languages. You know, uh, weekly, um, and so uh, the SEC doesn't have that type of reach uh, on a consistent <laughs> basis. Um, but as far as the atmosphere, uh, it just depends on where you're at. You know, there are some places that feel like LSU. Uh, um, you know, in the WWE universe, um, I know going over to London, it definitely is, in, it is as intimidating as the Swamp or LSU or Alabama on a home game. Um, but you know, you gotta remember too. I, I go in, I'm going like we're coming there for SmackDown. I'm going into all these places, and uh, as a different. You know, character. If I were, if I were, uh, if I were a bad guy, you know, I definitely play up my roots at the University of Florida uh, in in certain places, especially in the SEC or within the SEC. Um, but you know, now that I'm a, a good guy per se, a baby face. Uh, you know, I just try to go out there and be as entertaining as possible and and win as much as I possibly can. And uh, when I lose, you know, nine times out of ten, it's because somebody cheated. Uh, which is okay, because I'll get back up and, and figure out a way to, to get them next time.
4: So do you have a preference, because you mentioned it there, between good guy and bad guy? I mean, does it matter to you, or are you just going to go out and entertain as best you can, or if you could choose one, would you?
5: Yeah, no, it, it doesn't matter to me, because at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, it's storytelling, so it's a challenge, you know, and I enjoy being challenged and pushed uh, to do new things and try different things, and so as a good guy, you know, I'm a you know, genuinely good guy, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And so a lot of the stuff I do is just going out and having fun, you know. But even as a heel bad guy, you know, it's the same thing. I just want to go out and have fun. And I know what what would aggravate me or tick me off as a fan, uh, and I know what would tick other people off as a fan, uh, just going to different places. If I come to Alabama and I talk about how Alabama is, is, is uh, not great, you know, then – uh, obviously they're going to boo me. And if I talk about how I have respect for Alabama and things like that, then they're going to cheer me. Um, so it's just a matter of learning and knowing the psychology of where you're at and why you're doing what it is that you're doing. And then once you kind of have a grasp of that and, and know how you can portray that, uh, everything else is just fine. As someone who emerged from it, you must love
4: seeing this evolution of NXP right now and so many NXT men and women making the transition to WWE and roster.
5: Yeah, yeah. I've um, just stated in a previous interview uh, that the whole setup of WWE NXT from the WWE Performance Center, which is state-of-the-art, one of the top facilities in all of sports and entertainment, uh, and I feel like if anybody gets an opportunity to walk through those doors down there, then they automatically qualify themselves uh, to, you know, come up on the main roster and be successful. Um, You know, we have some very, very talented individuals both on the main roster and on the NXT roster, and and at any given day, any of them girls and guys uh, from NXT can come up here and and be very successful because um, the the, the evolution of NXT, with it being an international brand now, uh, and they're traveling more and all these things that we weren't doing when I first started, uh, they, they 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 get an opportunity to feel crowds, you know, that are 6, 7, 8, 9, 10,000 people, uh, whereas before, you know, we, we didn't have that, you know, um, and most of our matches were, you know, in much smaller crowds, much smaller arenas, if it wasn't just amongst ourselves at the uh, FCW arena. So, yeah, I'm very happy to see um, all these uh, guys and girls that are coming up here that are doing well because I was pretty much in the program and came up kind of along along with them and, and then when you know the hard work that they put in uh and to see them be rewarded by coming up to the main roster and, and doing well up here uh it's, it's definitely you know as a teammate and or a team mentality person you you want to root for that person
4: so i'm curious about creative direction that you might receive whether it's for a televised show or, or even a house show when do you find out about creative direction at a show is it as late as is- hours before you go out live how exactly yeah is
5: that? yeah it's it, that's pretty much how it is you know you some and sometimes you don't know until the show and sometimes you get to the show and it changes for various reasons so part of being a performer is being being able to perform under pressure and so uh, you know that's that's uh, one of the things that that NXT has helped you know because of the evolution of NXT it's helped people with the transition to come to the main roster because they're on television on NXT as well. So if they have a match that's supposed to go X amount of time and they end up getting more time, they know how to fill that time. And as well as if they get time cut because of commercial break or whatever, they know how to do that as well. And then, you know, you never know if an injury is going to happen during a show or whatever, God forbid something happened. And, 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 uh, you know, you have to fill those slots of time and, uh, you know, that's where the, the experience uh, or the experience of the person that you're in the ring with comes in very handy. And so uh, it, it, is a, it is a very high-pressure job, you know. And if you can't perform under under pressure, you know, working on a computer, you definitely can't do it working in WWE in front of millions of people on television.
4: Well, you just mentioned Arn Anderson, and I'm curious about how exactly do backstage producers like, Arn Anderson work differently? Are there many that you've had more experience with than others?
5: No, I've had experience with all of them, you know, and uh, they all have their it's, – it's like flavors of ice cream. Uh, you know, some people like certain things and some people don't like certain things. Some people want to see certain things out of you a certain way, and then some other people say, oh, well, maybe try it this way. You know, it's it's all a matter of just picking those flavors of ice cream and kind of like tasting them until you get to the, 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 the formula that you that works best for you that you can feel as a character, that you can use as a character, uh, because that's what we all are. We all are characters. We're not people, per se. Um, we're superstars, uh, so that they we're portrayed as characters. And once you have to be able to let that character of whatever it is that you're trying to portray be uh, be very evident on television, and that's what the backstage producers and agents do. Uh, they try to help find the best pieces to put together for each character to make the best product show on television.
0: Well, congratulations
4: on winning the Celebrity Dad of the Year Award. That That's mm-hmm. phenomenal. I know that you and your son participated in the WWE's Take Time to Be a Dad public service announcement. I think the perception about being a parent in the WWE is that it's tough because of yeah. how often you all are on the road. What kind of reinforcement does that kind of recognition give you as a dad who makes it a point to make time for his kids with such a demanding schedule?
5: I think, you know, and I, I feel like me winning that award, it validates the, the importance of it not being about, you know, how much money you spend on your kid or how much money you make. It really is about how much time you spend with your kid. And the whole take time to be a dad campaign, it, you know, I, I live that. And uh, the smallest moments, you know, can can leave lasting memories and things like that. That's that's true. You know, it can make the biggest impact on a child's life. Uh, and it's it's sitting on a couch talking about something, you know, that that you wouldn't have been able to talk about, or you wouldn't even thought about, had you not like had that relationship in place. And so. Uh, as a parent, I feel like you know a lot, and I see it all the time with with some of my kids' uh, parents, you know, th- that are participating in sports. They try to live through their kids, you know, so they're constantly putting them under pressure to be successful in this and putting them in football, and they don't really want to play football, or put them in basketball, and they don't really want to play basketball. And so when you put them out there, and you got kids that are being coached by coaches that are doing their best to try to push kids that don't really want to be out there, and so I always tell other parents you know like i could care less. if my son didn't want to play football he didn't want to play football i try to live for my kids and not through my kids so i think that that that, that in return my kids try to live for me uh and not through me you know not not just because dad's a wwe superstar he, he doesn't have we don't have the easy route you know we got to go to school and get good grades and things like that um so this campaign and winning this award uh, I like to say, and I say it all the time, this is for all, this award, I'm sharing this award with all the fathers that take time to uh, to em- not only embrace the greatest honor that a man can ever be uh, given, but also to, like, promote it, you know, and promote it, you know, that, that fatherhood is important because it is.
4: Well, your award definitely shines a light on that. Something else that also showed, people gave exposure to what it's like to be a parent was the ESPN E60 that showed Adam Rose being a parent yes. to yeah. his son. And did you see the E60 special?
5: Yes, I did. I actually live tweeted during it, but I, I, I didn't have to see the special to, to know the story. Like I, I, I came up with Adam and and Corey Graves. And so, uh, you know, Adam's son was, his first son uh, was sick for a majority of the first Part of his, uh, you know, career and uh, and and his son's life. He was a premature baby, and, and it's just a, a a great story of a man trying to do everything he can, not only to, you know, chase a dream, uh, but also you know provide for his family. And uh, you know, if if you ever have a moment around him and his family, you'll you'll see right away that that's what he values. That and I, and that's why I respect him so much. As a man uh, outside of WWE, because I can see it, and uh, we have a lot of guys that are fathers, you know, in, in this in this company. Mark Henry is is a father, Big Show is a father, um, you know, Bray Wyatt is a father, Luke Harper is a father, uh, Rowan, you know, there are so many guys that are characters. Obviously, Roman Reigns is a father as well. Sin Cara, there's so many great fathers uh, in this company. That that know what it means to to make sacrifices, and that's that's really, you know, like our company should be uh, given a better opportunity to show that, not just with me, but with all our our, our fathers, because uh, we are men. Uh, we're human beings, just like everyone else. But just like I say, like there's a perception that comes with entertainers and things like that, that they only see us as entertainers. Uh, but there's so much more in depth things to um, to, to who we are as men and women uh, and I think that e360 um, captured a very good story uh, for both of those go for all those people involved in that
4: most people get a much earlier start in the business than you did it, but you've obviously achieved such a high level of success even with the late start for other men and women who might want to pursue that dream of professional wrestling at similar points in their lives what advice would you give them?
5: specifically when it comes to competing with the younger bucks out there? I would just say, first and foremost, have a plan B and even a C and D if, if possible. Um, you know, understand that even if you do make it, it's only going to last for so long and you're going to have to transition into doing something else. Uh, be in the best shape possible because these are some of the most, uh, you know, athletically gifted and, and, and uh, in shape people you'll ever be around. Um and, you know, just, just be professional in everything you do. Have respect, show respect, be humble, and be professional. Uh, if you can do those things um, and have that, like I say, plan B, C, and even possibly D if, if, if it was needed, um, you should chase the goal, you know, chase the dream of becoming a WWE superstar or diva because uh, it is a very uh, demanding job, but it's a very rewarding one as well. Well, thank you so
4: much, and good luck to you. Congratulations, and we're really looking forward to seeing you in Birmingham soon.
5: Yes, sir. Same here. All right, take care. Thank you. Uh-oh. Oh,
3: closer than Titus. Titus O'Neil. Oh, and Titus is knocked out. I'm going to go out on a limb. This is the biggest win
1: for Titus O'Neil's wrestling career. You better see.
4: George Brown, Executive Director of University Recreation at University of Alabama. You're a director of obviously a University Rec Center, so you're certainly no stranger to your own brand of sports entertainment. I want to talk to you a little bit about being a parent who likes wrestling and the decision to let your kids watch right. for wrestling.
3: And, and first, how many kids do you have and, and do they all like wrestling?
1: Well, they don't all like wrestling.
3: Um, it's funny. Um, I, I think my youngest, which is who's nine, is probably. The most like me in so many ways because some of this is the apple falling off the tree. You know, I I, I recall vividly my days growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, watching World Championship Wrestling and some of the other variations that Memphis had—homegrown Championship Wrestling with uh, you know Jackie Fargo and Ron and Terrence Garvin and Tojo Yamamoto and Jerry Jarrett and even Jerry the King Lawler later. And so I was glued to the set watching this. And and and, and you know Ben, I came from a family a college. Professor, of higher education, academia—you know all of that—and and I think they probably smirked and grinned at the same thing that I was doing. That I'm now watching with my youngest, and uh, the rest of the kids. Uh, I've got two others. I've got a sophomore in college, and and a, a sophomore in high school that are living in the house now. I've got a couple of that are already out and on their own, and and uh, they none of them were re- much wrestling fans, really. I, I, you know, it's funny. I think. <laughs> There's there's that that sort of that wink and smirk and, and nod reaction that the older ones give to uh, my youngest when he's watching and, and he he is beyond a fan. I mean he is absolutely a. a aficionado of this in a way that I, maybe even I wasn't growing up. Uh, and I think that's partly because TV saturation is such as it is. But the youngest is really into it because, you know, you're right. The brand is so strong, particularly now with World Wrestling Entertainment. It's You know, you're seeing it on Monday. You're seeing it on Thursday. There's an app that dedicates. I mean, uh, my youngest will go to uh, YouTube, and he can catalog pretty much all the Royal Rumble winners back to or maybe the early 2000s, and uh, and it's, it's a little eerie, in fact, that he knows all this. But uh, you know, as a student of this, as a kid, he enjoys it, and 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 I think you know the, the question of how much we let him watch is really the most profound part of this. I think my wife and I are both like, okay, it doesn't interfere with school uh it, it it is sometimes used as an incentive quite honestly i think wwe is really really doing some good things with branding it for children where they're tagging things like learn to read incentives uh, there's a thing going on right now where if kids register and log their reading uh they actually get in a drawing to attend wrestlemania in dallas in april and you know i think that's really smart i mean obviously they're looking at this market and if you watch monday night raw or smackdown on thursday You see this audience. You see. I mean, my my nine-year-old, is they're in that audience, so they're there. Um, So, I mean, this is a balancing act. It's like anything else in parenting. Um, You have to put limits on it. You certainly have to be cognizant of it getting in the way of of life. And I think with my son, he understands – in the back of his head the reality of what this is uh, whether it's you know fake or real is not that important to him it's entertaining that's what really matters to him you said that whether or
4: not to let your kids watch wrestling is a topic that you and your wife have talked about quite a bit i'm right. curious
3: how does that conversation typically start and how does it usually go down well you know I, 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 my wife and i we, we try to look at all sides of an issue and and you know with watching anything on tv whether it's network cable uh pay-per-view on demand all the platforms that are now available i mean with a chromecast you can watch anything across your your screen that basically is on your tablet and so you know we have to make decisions beyond just wwe i mean we 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 are talking about network shows and, you know, I mean, when we got into some of the shows like Breaking Bad or House of Cards, I mean, you know, there's certainly some inappropriate things that are themes, adult themes in these shows and network TV is pushes the envelope. Heck, even the Grammy Awards is going to push the envelope. So, you know, as as what I believe are intelligent people who can have these conversations, we start by saying, hey, we're there to watch the content. I mean, my son does not typically watch WWE in any way, shape, or form without some parental supervision there, okay? I mean, I I think the most objectionable part of WWE product is probably when the wrestlers are interacting with each other verbally. I don't think the quote-unquote violence is uh, that extreme because when a wrestler gets piledrod or tombstone slammed or whatever, you know, for the most part, they get up and I think that while that's nothing much different than a video game in the way we look at it and the way I think our sons process that, we're always there to, to be mindful of the fact that when and if language does become objectionable, our son knows it. you know, he does. I mean, there's a particular move that The Undertaker makes, Hell's Gate. Well, he calls it H-word gate. Okay, so I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't suspend reality completely here, but the truth of the matter is these are these are conversations that your parents should be having anyway with you beyond WWE. Uh, it doesn't start and end with, you know, these shows. Well, can you recall any wrestlers or storylines that you thought might have been a little too much for your son? You know, I, I am recently back into the wrestling world, and part of that is because I'm I'm doing this with my son. This is this is part of our bonding, if you will. And I know for the, the listeners that may seem really whacked, but I, I think we all bond with our children in different and sometimes creative ways. Um, I, I you know, I think there's been some storylines where. Some of some of the interviewing and then some of the language that comes from that. I mean, you know, I mean, Brock Lesnar has hovered over his opponents and said, you know, "Suplex City bitch" and stuff like that. You know, okay, my son knows that's not a word he's going to use, and yet he's processing that and understanding that is derogatory towards his opponent, and maybe for that alone, he's not a big Brock Lesnar fan in his world. I mean, he he sees him as a villain. So, um, you know, I, I. I think that some of the themes, uh, you know, I think, to be honest, some of the diva themes probably push the envelope as much, if not more. Um, And I think because I have a nine-year-old boy, he's processing that in a different way in terms of gender identity and things like that. But I think that's healthy still. I really do. Um, But, you know, I think everything that we watch with him, if there is some language in the theme or in the presentation of the the act, so to speak – We're there to say, hey, we don't say that. That's a word we don't say. But it's naive at best, Ben, to believe that he's not exposed to those words already in all walks of his life. How do you share it with them? Like, do you like the same wrestlers? Do you have to lean the way of what your kid (laughs) likes now, or how does that that work? That is fun, and that's a great question. And I think that creates the bonding experience because these themes are strong. And you know you're you're a real you're a real student of wrestling. And I I love the fact that you know following you guys on Twitter now with Rammer Slammer and some of that. It's awesome because you have you guys understand the nuance of being a villain versus being a, a hero or a heel, and how he can turn on a dime. I mean, look at the Dudley Boys. I mean, all of a sudden, I think my son really kind of liked them as a, as a tag team partnership. He, he aligned with them because the Usos, and they seemed to be sort of favorable. Now they've turned, and now he's, you know, he's questioning. Wow, there's, there, there's, there's no love and honor among thieves, so to speak, in some respects. And I, 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 I think when it comes to identifying whether they're a good guy or a good girl or a bad guy, a girl. <sighs> We can split on that. I, 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 I mean, he has sort of a love-hate relationship with a guy as powerful as Brock Lesnar. I, because I am a huge Undertaker fan, cannot. I can't fathom Brock Lesnar <laughs> simply because Brock Lesnar ended the streak. Now, my son also agrees with that. He hates WrestleMania 30 because of the way it ends. I mean, it's a shocker to him. Okay. But yet, he, there is a fascination with someone of the strength and stature of a, a, a even even the, the Wyatt family, as objectionable as I find their whole shtick to be. He he he's kind of enamored with them. Uh, he loves Roman Reigns. I'm like, okay, you know, Roman's a little a little over the top, like you guys identify, but. He's a charismatic character. He comes from Pensacola, so there's some kind of cool identity things with that. So, you know, we we talk about these things. I mean, I'm going to tell you, Ben, he is a student of this. So he knows when Randy Orton got hurt. He knows that Seth Rollins is on the shelf. And what does that mean? And is Batista still wrestling, or is he focused on his acting career? And what about The Rock coming back? What's the role for Sting, you know? So, I mean, this, this is great Banner. For parent-son dialogue, in my opinion.
4: Well, have you all been to like a live event together? No, we haven't,
3: and you know okay. what? He's he's driving me crazy with that, and <laughs> yeah, I know that we know that recently uh, was it Monday Night Raw, or yeah, I think it was Monday Night Raw it was in Birmingham. Yeah. And I think you covered it, I think, for for al dot com, and <laughs> you know he he made it very clear to me, Dad. You know they're just an hour down the road in Birmingham. And I quickly reminded him that I had just taught a class and didn't get home until almost six. Uh, I also reminded him it was a school night. And again, perspective here, okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, for those people that were fortunate enough to attend the, the the Raw event or any SmackDown or any of the WWE product events, you know, I mean, it's a great opportunity. Now, does he want to go to Dallas in April? Oh. Just to know exactly what they're going to do with the undertaker is enough of a reason for him to want to go. So. But you know, this is a kid who loves sports. He loves Transformers. You know, he loves. I mean, he does have several figurines of the wrestling. He's got the little ring with the SmackDown. Um, I mean, he's into it. He's into it. But I think in an appropriate way for a nine-year-old boy. Well, that must be personally satisfying for you if your if your other
4: children weren't as into it. Finally, your your youngest happens to get into wrestling. I mean, to have that connection. Yeah. This late into parenting, you know, with your with your third
3: child is that correct? Uh, well, my wife and I are a blended family and we we have seven total. Uh I had three from previous marriage and she also has uh three from a previous and Liam is our one shared product. Uh Liam is Liam is the seventh and the last of the lineage and I think you're absolutely right. It is you know, at this point in my life, I mean it's very I'm an older parent but to have this this bond and this relationship and and, and you know, this is something where Liam will, will just point blank say, you know, he'll quiz me all the time you know who won the '98 of SummerSlam, a Royal Rumble? And I was like, no, I don't. And then he will take me to YouTube and we'll, we'll watch it together. And I'll go, wow, he really had to navigate a lot of people to get through that, you know. So... It's it's it yes it's very fun and it's a very neat bonding experience. Wow, well maybe we'll have him on it. <laughs> you know what? He's a he's a better guest speak be, a uh, 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 interview than I am because once you get him rolling about who's who, uh, I, I mean he's. Uh, I, I wish he could do his pronouns and his singular and plural pronouns quite as well as he's working on this and his, his times tables. I've got to figure out a way to get that to translate. <laughs>
4: That's perfect. So, I mean, my last thing is, what would you tell parents
3: who are sort of on the
4: fence about letting their kids watch pro wrestling?
3: I think I'd tell them the same thing about pro wrestling as I would about a lot of other things in life. Be invested, be involved, know the product, uh, know, n- n- know what you're saying yes or no to, set limits. Uh, incentivized to the point where it's not bribery but where it's positive reinforcement um, you know I, I think this is a lot from the school teaching side of me and the academic portion of this that I think pro wrestling and the themes that it presents can be great for reflection uh, these are these are sometimes battles of, of good and evil okay and I think that sometimes we, we can play out life's roles with these and, I, and I'm not trying to make this more than it is at the end of the day this is entertainment but but I think this this places appropriately success and failure and perseverance. I mean, you know, even somebody let's just take somebody who's injured right now, perhaps a Seth Rollins or a Randy Orton or somebody like that, or Daniel Bryan's recent retirement. I think that really was a powerful moment for for Liam to watch that and understand, and he was sad by that, but he was so impressed by Daniel Bryan speaking to, you know, I want to start a family, and he understood that there were consequences beyond the ring, and I think those are life lessons, and I think if parents are on the fence about this, try to – use some higher order thinking and critical reasoning skills to say some of this is applicable to life and i think if you can put that in there appropriately this is this is not a product that you just have to automatically say is too objectionable
4: well george brown thank you so much this is awesome and i hope we can do it again soon
3: hey ben keep keep tweeting it out i I love i love learning more about the inner workings of who's a
0: heel and who's not so I, i enjoyed this
4: all right thanks george
0: take care Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group on AL.com. Find us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.